Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello and welcome back to the Prep to Pro NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Ben Pfeiffer and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Max Carlin. Max, how's it going today? I'm doing all right, Ben. How are you? I'm doing all right. It's been a crazy day, weekend for, for both of us, I know. Yeah. And we are recording this much later than we normally do. But one one advantage of being very late on recording is we're getting the live deadline Um for returners to the draft so we know some live reactions today but yeah we're just kind of it's kind of going to be a disjointed newsy episode we're going to talk about some of the guys who have decided to return some of the guys who decided to to stay talk about the implications for them their their college teams if applicable and then we'll just have some random thoughts on um on college basketball and the nba and we'll do our catching eye so let's just let's just get into it so the first big returner uh, we're going to talk about, or not return, the first big guy who's staying in the draft, which, which has made us very excited, is, is Xavier Tillman, who amid speculation that he was actually going to return to, to Michigan State, um, has announced today that he is indeed going to stay in the draft, which is very, very good, not only for the well-being of Max and I, um, but also, you know, presumably for Tillman, because, you know, we've been, been expressed skepticism about how much he could actually raise his stock going back next year since he was already one of the better players in college basketball, if not one of the best, if not the best player in college basketball this past season. So, you know, hopefully some team gave him good feedback. And like I tweeted today, uh, whichever team gave him good feedback and ends up drafting or signing him will be memorialized uh, by this podcast for the rest of time. As sports keep coming back, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, BetOnline.ag. Major League Baseball will soon be in full swing, and there are no shortage of ways to get in on the action. BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. Also, tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather joins the BetOnline team in a new segment called The Ice is Right, where he talks about his expansive jewelry collection. He'll give you the chance to win some great prizes and bet on the cost of his bling. Visit BetOnline.ag to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back sports bonuses. Bet online, your on your online wagering experts. Yeah, I mean it's wonderful news. I every single time that something came out about Xavier Tillman possibly returning to school, I got very angry with the you know amorphous uh, NBA and was just kind of bummed uh, about this whole process and just how you couldn't you know. How, come away high on a, on a guy like Xavier Tillman. But uh, evidently the, you know, the feedback he got was good enough. Uh, and that's a major relief. He is, you know, one of, if not the smartest guys in this entire class uh, among the big men, he is 
arguably the best rim protector from a team standpoint, while also having the heft to defend um, to defend the rim and, and, and centers in a primary capacity, while being you know one of the better big man handlers in the in the class, the best short roll passer in the class. Uh, there is, I guess, some modicum of a chance that he shoots. Uh, he is one of the more mobile bigs in the class as well. I think that he's really he's really everything you want in a, in a big man these days. I think he's going to play in the NBA for a long time, uh, and I'm really excited about it. I I want to watch him play in the NBA next year. I don't want to maybe watch him play college next year. Um, so I'm really excited about this. Uh, I think that he should absolutely be a first round pick. I don't know where he's at for you. He's a tier three guy for me. I think I've got him like 19th right now. Yeah, I have him um, tier four at like twenty two or twenty one, so like not not that much of a difference. Yeah, I mean, I just think that he's a guy that that can play important minutes for you. Like he he is yeah. he has the intelligence, and I think the movement and um and just like scheme versatility necessary to play uh crunch time minutes as a center in in the NBA in in twenty twenty and going forward. I, I mean, like. He he's he was a guy at Michigan State who like they they would have him like hard hedging ball screens getting way up out to like half court and I don't know if that's like the best usage of Xavier Tillman like he's not he's definitely not a switch big but like there are very few switch bigs I think I think our, our friend PD was tweeting about this the other day there's no such thing really as a switch big like there there aren't really any centers who are truly switch guys I mean you you talk about even freak movers like someone like Jackson Hayes last year. I don't think that Jackson Hayes' appeal is necessarily as a guy who's like switching one to five. Like he's very mobile. That helps. Like you can you can move in, you know, a coverage where you're playing close to the level of the screen or maybe above the level of the screen, but and you and then you can recover from that. But I don't think that like switch bigs are necessarily that much of a thing. Uh so like chasing that as opposed to just a guy who can play a, a variety of coverages and, and be fine in them, I, I think is kind of, uh, you know, you're, you're really kind of chasing something that doesn't necessarily exist. Yeah, and the bigs who can, you know, switch onto ones and twos for even an abbreviated amount of time, those are the guys who end up as, you know, the best centers in the league, you know, the bam out of bios of the world uh, in that ilk. Yeah, I'm probably like marginally lower on you know on, on things like the shooting and, and you know just have a little more concern about the lack of size and, and vertical explosion defending the back line than, than max does but i mean there's no doubt that xavier tillman is he's just a freak intellect freak strength skill for you know for for, for a prototype modern nba big and you know it, it just makes sense that an nba the nba teams would be interested in him i'm i'm thankful that he got seemingly good feedback at least good enough to you know be willing to stay in the draft. Yeah, I do think big man handling is a is a skill that's on the rise in value. Just as more guys are playing on the perimeter, as we're seeing, um, if as we're seeing kind of big men stay a little bit closer to the rim or play in a deep drop, like recoveries do end up happening. And if you can then attack that by putting the ball on the floor 
I do think that that's going to become increasingly valuable. And Xavier Tillington very much do that. Like he's a really yeah. good big man ball handler. Yeah, and I think just you know just having like a basic ability to dribble is is so incredibly key. I I, I mean like this this is not a comparison I'm making, but like between the prospects. But I, I mean you see you know how effective Miami is with with Bam Adebayo bringing the ball up. You know Tillman's not like not the mobility guy that Bam is. Um, but like, you know, with, with even a rudimentary handle at that size, you can be someone who dribbles, dribble handoffs, um, can fake a dribble handoff and take it to the rim if he needs to, and just have a variety of, of, of tools as a perimeter operator. And, you know, I, I think Tillman is a guy who, you know, you, if a team, you know, really commits, can, can, can see him have offensive value in unconventional ways, even without, you know, a super reliable three point shot, which would obviously change the game for him. You know that makes him like God's tier role player status, but yeah, I mean if you're if you're looking for a big man to run DHOs, like Xavier Tillman is your guy. He can handle. Yeah. He sets amazing screens. Uh, he's and he's an exceptional decision maker. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, like pair and, him with the, the, a Duncan Robinson and just go wild. Like. Yeah, and the fact that he, yeah that he has such a good feel for like flipping screens for angles for all that sort of thing. Um, he he just I mean, yeah he's yeah. every team. Pretty the much Heat should, should draft Xavier Tillman and run the DHO every single play. <laughs> just Dun- and Duncan Duncan Robinson gets up fifteen threes a game. Yeah, or, 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 or if you want, just just draft like Jake Toulson or like or just like two way Justinian Jessup and <laughs> and have the same thing off the bench. Yeah. Um. Should Should we move on to to Tillman's teammate Aaron Henry, who decided to stay at school? Sure. Yeah. So Aaron Henry made the decision to to stay at school, which I think is pretty interesting. Um, I know Max and I both liked Harry, Henry quite a bit. Um, I had him like around thirty in just the glut of of, of wings that, um, you know, the glut of wings in that range. You know, you know Henry, you know, is a really really solid solid wing prospect. You know, one of the better on ball defenders in the class. I think you know probably not as good as Okoro, um, and different than Bomaro. Like we talked about last week in our superlatives, but I think he's third in that regard. If if not fourth, you know, close. He he's up there. Is what I'm trying to say with his strength and technique. Not offensively, you know, someone who probably going to hit spot ups um, even if the volume isn't great, and then can really pass and dribble for a six foot six wing. Um, you know, that's that's a valuable player to get at the end of the first round, especially in a class like this. Um, and it definitely you know takes away some depth. But it's going to be interesting to see what he's like at Michigan State next year because it's going to be a very different Michigan State team uh, next year without Cassius Winston and now without Xavier Tillman. Um, the, the, I, I mean, it, it's just going to be a weird kind of roster. As I mean, with with Winston, they've had, you know, arguably the best initiator in college basketball over the last couple of years. Uh, but now they don't really have one. I mean, Rocket Watts. Playing through Rocket Watts. Playing through Rocket <laughs> Watts. Rocket Watts is pretty clearly, like, not a one. Like, he's like a small two-guard. Who is probably going to be like a pretty good? I mean, I think Rocket Watts has like what it takes to be a really good college player, like like a really good upperclassman, but not someone you want running your offense. Um, they're bringing in uh, a four star, I think, AJ Hoggard, um, who is also not a guy who I think you want running your offense. Um, so I mean, the question is like, does does Aaron Henry get more of a chance to you know play the play play initiator? And, and get to make more decisions. And I think that could be either really good or really bad for a stock, to, to, depending on, you know, how that goes. So, but it's going to be fascinating to watch nonetheless what he's like next year. Cause it's going to be one of the, one of the more interesting, you know, potential development changes uh, for, or role changes that affect, that affect development for, from year to year. 
Yeah, I think some people might tab Henry as like a major, major breakout star type candidate, someone who could rise into the lottery. I, I don't really think that that's yeah, I don't think so him. Either. I don't think he can create like that. I don't really believe in the shot to that level. But there, I mean, there are some aspects of a really interesting player there for sure. Uh, I mean, for for his role, he's a, pl- a positive passer, uh, you know, particularly on those um, those dump offs and and just interior passing. Um, he's he's really good at that. But I I don't think that you can really extrapolate that then to being some sort of star college player or star prospect. Uh, I I think. It never seemed like his his stock took off. I I would have also taken him, you know, around the end of the first. I definitely wouldn't wouldn't have thought twice about a team taking him in the first, uh, just on account of of how how uh, disruptive he is defensively, particularly at the point of attack, but in general, and and th- he just has the makings of a very nice complementary wing. Yeah, I mean, um, just you know, wing scarcity, and he's a guy who's gonna play give you minutes off the bench, probably. Yeah, with with like genuine dribble pass shoot potential on top of having like a bit of a inter- a bit of an intermediate game that I think that archetype doesn't necessarily have always. Um yeah so I mean I, six foot six dribble pass shoot with defense is like that's like a simplistic heuristic, but it's one that often works out. I mean, yeah, and, and the shoot Henry's really, not all the way there. The yeah. shoot really might not be there, but yeah. um, I mean, yeah, I mean, at least off the catch, I think it'll probably be there. I mean, he's a yeah. good spot up, no dribble and jumper shooter. Uh, pretty terrible off pull ups and doesn't really have any versatility. But like, I mean, probably should shoot spot ups. I mean, but again, like that's less valuable for his role as like a creator. Yeah, I just I I worry a lot about if he if he's asked to try to do more at Michigan State, he might really flounder in that role. Um, yeah, and then if and if he remains in a in a complimentary role, I just don't know. He might just look worse on account of whatever the driving force is being worse. Because I I don't know what Michigan State is is running their offense through with no Xavier Tillman and Cassius Winston. I don't think there's probably not a team in the country losing more. Um, like I mean, Kansas is I guess losing Doak and Dotson, but but I mean Cassius and and Tillman are better, and and Dayton's just losing top. And like I I, I don't think there's a team losing more. No. Um, yeah. So yeah, at least a top end team. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be weird. Uh, I I would definitely worry about this situation for him. Um, I, I hope that when he made this decision, he knew that Xavier Tillman wasn't gonna be there. Uh, obviously, New Caches wasn't gonna be there. But yeah, it seems it seems like a, a an unnecessary risk. Uh, but it does. But his then again, his stock never really took off. Um, yeah, and I guess you know just the uncertainty of this draft and this year i guess is too much for some prospects because I, I, yeah i mean like like you said henry stock never really took off i mean seemed like a guy the nba normally would kind of latch on to as like a wing with some size and some athletic tools but you know just not a guy who is really highly regarded in the mainstream or with you know the dx and sites that, and places that have intel didn't seem to think that henry you know had much of a shot at going in the first or you know, in that range. So I guess in that sense, it, it, it makes sense that he went back. But I mean, his development and his role is going to be one of the more interesting, one of the more interesting st- stories to track uh, amongst returning prospects. Yeah, I'm, I'm concerned about it. But uh, yeah, I, I'm excited to see what, what he does as, as a junior. He's, yeah, it's going to be player. a weird, it's going to be a weird roster too. Yeah. So let's move on to Tyrell Terry, who decided to keep his name in the draft. Uh, which I think was a good decision for him. A little bit disappointing because Stanford next year would have been pretty awesome if Terry had had stayed uh, with Spencer Jones and Zyra Williams there. 
but I think it's a good decision for Terry. What he really needs, I think, is to get into an NBA strength and conditioning program uh, and just try to work on that body. Uh, he needs, obviously, handle development as well. But he, he might have some burst that's a little bit concealed by uh, being able to just be bumped off of his spots so badly. Uh, and if he can really, you know, build up that body, maybe we see a guy who can actually get to the rim in a way that I know I'm skeptical of, and I think you are too. Uh, and then once he's there, I mean, he has a really impressive finishing package. Uh, he, you know, he is such a good shooter off the move, um, off the dribble. Like he's a really impressive shooter, uh, and just a very, very smart player. Uh, and it's always, it's always body with him. It's always going to be body with him. Uh, and there's, there's really no better place to, to work on that thing than the NBA. Yeah. I know you tweeted about this, but it's like Stanford next year is going to have like the best duo of six, seven plus shooters in the world. Yeah. I kind of forgot that like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George exist, but, (laughs) (laughs) but, but that said, Spencer Jones and, and Zaire Williams are unbelievable shooters, uh, and both very tall. Um, yeah. yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be exciting to watch those guys. Really fun. That, that offense is going to be weird and fun again next year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Terry, well, we, what no, no, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I think Terry stock wise seems to be in a good place for his, for his development case. Cause you know, in the range that Terry seems to be, which is like late mid, like mid late first cut kind of range, you know, there's. That's generally where you have the teams with like the good strength and conditioning and the good good ecosystems. Like that's where Milwaukee and you know Toronto and those teams are, are going to be picking. And I think all all of those environments are, are strong ones for Tyrell Terry, especially you know playing off of Terry playing off of bigger creators. I think is going to be necessary for him. You know that that's that's the story for like all of the guard size prospects early in this class, unless you're like Lamelo, is that they need to be playing off of big initiator types to, to really have the most success they can. Um, and Terry is no different, but again, and, and again, like Terry, I think Terry's stock is like the perfect place for him. Like not too low to where he like has a high chance of falling into obscurity, but you know, not too high to where he's going to be overextended early in his career. But, so yeah, overall, like, 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 I don't have much, much more to add. I, I think it was a really, I think it was the right decision. Um, I wonder if he got like a promise or something from a team in like the late first range. Yeah, um, there are some there are some mainstream sources yeah. that are really high on Tyrell Terry, which yeah. I think is a little over the top on yeah. account of I uh, he I don't think terrible frame. He's not a creator prospect like that. Like no. he, he's not. Even though he can shoot and got to the rim in college and finished at the rim, he's not a creator prospect because no. the handle is not there. And just I mean the the the, the strength level is so low. And it, it's really going to be a big problem. Yeah, um, I just don't like. I honestly like. I think like like there's a chance like he has like the requisite skill in shooting to be a primary or to be like or at least a creator prospect. But I just like am so skeptical that the strength ever gets to a, like a, a a passable level there because like even Terry like uh, like like I, I'm no expert in this area, but like he doesn't seem to be a guy that like has like a super conducive frame to adding like that much muscle like but like he doesn't look like a guy who's rail thin where like you know like you can clearly see you know I, I don't know like, like like a guy like like bones highland you know like there's clear there's clear room for improvement there but like terry is just like small all around like 
Yeah, so, he's really he's just narrow. Yeah, he, and, he's just he's just narrow and small and short. He, he yeah, he has a, he has like it's not just a lack of muscle. Like he has a small frame. Yeah, it's, um, it's less than just weakness exactly. Yeah, but yeah, I mean the, that sort of twenties range is a is like a murderer's row of of teams that can make it work. I think. Um, yeah, you've got Denver. I think he probably doesn't have quite enough off the dribble juice for Philly, but. That it makes some sense, Boston. Yeah. I mean, you've got all all of these teams that are built around big star players who play with the ball in their hands. A guy who's really smart, who can move really well off the ball. Uh, that's pretty valuable. I think that even though he was a pretty intelligent defensive player uh, at Stanford, I am pretty low on his defensive projection uh, in the NBA. Like even like. On top of the frame stuff, it's not like uh, I don't know. Something that I brought up as like a point in favor of Nico has been that he he really beats guys to spots all the time. Like he's really really tenacious on the ball. I don't really think that's the case for Terry. Like he was a smart defender at Stanford, surely, but there's only so much. Like I I, I mean I I talk about questioning impact off the ball for like Halliburton and Lamelo, who are guys with positional size uh, and length. At, like for Tyrell Terry. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's 6'2 and weighs 165 pounds or something like that. Like, that's not a guy who's impacting plays off the ball. Like, that, if you're relying on team defense impact from that guy, you're in trouble. Yeah, I mean, I think we both talked about how, you know, the the gap of importance between team defense and on-ball defense is smaller for guards, where they really, especially in the modern NBA, have to be able to, you know, pressure over ball screens and, and stay attached, you know, with, with the way the league is trending. Um, and of course, like the off-ball impact is really important. But again, like Terry is a guy who is likely going to be in a position to like make is likely to be like, be a guy who's like consistently making good rotations, and you know is consistently in a position to you know to to muck up actions, but is also consistently getting bulldozed because he he isn't large enough or strong enough to you know actually contest once he gets there. So yeah, I mean, uh, again, like for, if like the strength improves, like I think like 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 if he ever gets like a strength point i mean at, at that point he's probably just like a really good player if if he ever gets strong um but that's the a, a difficult thing to, to you know bet bet heavily on and certainly not something i'm willing to bet highly enough on to, to rank him in like the top 10 or anything but certainly but you know he, he's like a solid like 20 range prospect for me i mean he's really really talented uh he's got a lot of skill a, a lot of intelligence for for a freshman point guard prospect with just like all of the statistical indicators you want for shooting. So, I mean, Terry's in a pretty good, like Terry's in as good a spot. I mean, considering guy who is like very off the radar coming into the year, he's put himself into like as good as a spot as you could realistically ask for heading yeah. into, you know, his professional career. No, certainly. I mean, yeah, Denver, Philly, LA, one of those teams come comes off uh, the board with him in the, in the mid twenties. It's, it's totally fine. Yeah, it's a win. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can win. Yeah, no, it's a it's a very very good pick for for both sides. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now one that uh, is a real heartbreaker. Uh, uh, Isaiah Joe is returning for his junior season at Arkansas, uh, but it is there is an upside man. because Arkansas next year is going Loaded. to be awesome. They're they have backed. Uh, importantly, Moses Moody coming in. A favorite of, of the podcast, uh, a six six um, sort of combo guard who is a really good shooter and uh, and defender and just a 
very, very interesting prospect. They have KK Robinson, who is a tiny little uh, spark plug, I guess, uh, who probably not a short-term NBA guy, but a probably very good multi-year college guy. Uh, there and then the fact that Mason Jones is leaving, uh, there are going to be a lot of touches and a lot of usage available to these guys. So on the one hand, it's disappointing that Isaiah Joe is not staying in the draft. I don't know where you ended up with him, but I think I had him as a top 25 guy. Yeah. 23 was where he was, was finally for me. I think that's where he was before I took him off my board. Yeah. Just the most audacious shot selection in the class uh just totally insane but i think that overshadows that he is a very very smart player a really impactful team defender despite being 6'6 six, six and i don't know 180 70 pounds 170 yeah he's really skinny skinny um he has some legitimate off the dribble space creation like he has step backs uh he has he has like the hardened double step back um he has incredible range and he has some he has some passing ability like he can he can play and pick and roll he he has a pocket pass down um so isaiah joe is a really interesting player as we talked about last week he his off the dribble shooting numbers the last couple of years have been absurd uh even though his his other shooting uh, numbers have gone up and down a little bit uh yeah just a wild shooter with size and a ton of intelligence uh that's a really good prospect uh, and it's really disappointing that that because he, he's another guy who just has to get into an NBA strength and conditioning program, but uh, his stock never took off, and I, I I I think he's got a really good chance to to sort of explode next year, um, playing with the ball in his hands a little bit more. I mean he he's he's still never going to get to the rim, but oh, man, I think I think the shooting numbers are going to come back up because I think yeah, he's hopefully. Just gonna- Hopefully we see some positive regression um, back to, back yeah. closer to what he shot from three his freshman year because I I mean I'm sure that you know as silly as it is I'm sure that's a, a pretty significant reason for why his stock fell you know only shooting 34 percent from three um, pegged as a shooting specialist as this sniper type which you know as if you know if you're you know an, an avid follower of us in the draft you'll you'll know that he has the shooting indicators to far outweigh that you know that that in that relatively small sample of three pointers compared to, you know, the massive number of threes that three point percentage needs to stabilize. So hopefully we can get some positive regression from Isaiah Joe, but yeah, they're just really, really stacked next year. Like you said, Moody who also has some more juice on the ball than he gets credit for. Cause you know, it most many will know him in his Robin role at Montverde uh, next to Cade Cunningham and Scotty Barnes and precious Chua throughout his career. But yeah, if you've seen him play with Brad Beal at NYBL, he, he took on more of an on-ball role. And while he's not stellar as a space creator or a decision maker, um, he is six foot seven. I think he's probably six foot seven. Um, he is strong as hell, and he is aggressive, moving guys with his strength and creating shots that way. And super um, long as well. Super long, yeah. And uh, and of course, a godly shooter. So that that's a recipe for a strong, both on and off-ball guy. And I think he meshes well with Isaiah Joe, and that he's going to let, in that they can, you know, they can seamlessly take turns playing on and off, of, on and off of each other, um, because they're both kind of relentless off-ball workers, along with having off on-ball chops in very different ways. Um, I think it would be fantastic if we could combine the frames and skill sets of <laughs> Isaiah Joe and Moses Moody on the ball, and have this brute strength 
ball handler and excellent decision maker. Um, that's just like the best prospect ever. But yeah, Arkansas is super stacked. Like, I mean, like Max said, KK Robinson is going to be good. They also got Justin Smith from IU, who's a really good athlete. Uh, he's a crazy athlete. Uh, yeah, that, Jay- that, I yeah. think that's that's a that is definitely um, yeah a charitable way to to describe yeah. Justin. He, crazy, he's a crazy athlete. Yeah, he's, he's a crazy a, athlete. yeah. I, 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 cra- crazy athlete is is the notable thing about him uh, and then Jalen Williams is another really good big they got uh coming in as a freshman um so yeah they're deep they're they're gonna be a really good college basketball team next year just just in terms of like they're gonna win a lot of games and they're gonna be fun to watch and I think yeah like like as as much as I think it would have made like way too much sense for a team in like the mid late first to, to just get Isaiah Joe um and you know have like an NBA shooter and decision maker in the building from day one with hopefully the, the physio staff to improve his body. Um, I think it's as good a situation as any for him to, you know, boost his stock next year. Um, you know, hoping, like again, hoping for some positive regression with that three point percentage, um, maybe some, some, some physical development, but that's probably not likely at this point. Yeah. The thing that worries me is if he still is really, really skinny uh, at the end of year three and NBA teams are just looking at him and and thinking this guy's a junior and th- his body still looks like this. Uh, that's that's definitely a concern to me. Yeah, you hope um, a team can like see that and hope they can fix it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's definitely true. But uh, but I I think that there will be some concern if he is at the end of his junior year and still kind of looks like that. Um, yeah. But but hopefully, I would think that that maybe some added creation burden. And just positive regression on the three-point shooting will lead people to to look past that and think that they can they can get him to bulk up. But uh, yeah, it, it's a it's a concern for me. It's a concern that that teams are not going to want to invest in him uh, if that's what he's like physically after three years. Yeah, but again, Joe is a really cool prospect. Um, another one who's going to be like instantly one of the best returners in the 2021 class for me, at least. Uh, so yeah, let's go on to our next uh, guy who is returning, uh, and that's Joel Ayai, Gonzaga point guard. Um, I think this is this is definitely an interesting one. You know, Ayai, another guy whose stock never really took off um, after having a quietly pretty solid season this year uh, for Gonzaga. You know, just just like at six foot five, has some like versatility as like as a playmaker. Not, not super athletic and doesn't have a ton of juice on the ball as a creator overall. But you know, he's a really solid playmaker and decision maker. Um, can dribble a little bit, can get to the rim a little bit. Um, is like a good enough shooter, and then is really smart. Is a really smart defender off the ball. You know, has his moments on the ball, and I think uh, it, it's going to be a an interesting fit with with him and Jalen Suggs. Um, I'm curious to see what you think um, about those two playing together because, you know, they, they both kind of share similar weaknesses is that neither of them are really dynamic on-ball creators, which I think could create somewhat of an issue. Yeah. Um, uh, but then again, like Gonzaga just didn't have one of those this year and they they generally don't and they're fine. Um, but yeah, like, you know, Suggs, you know, really only major weakness as a prospect besides his age is that he can't dribble at all. Um and then Ayayi, while you know his handle, I think is passable for a college guard, is you know again far from an exceptional handler or, or creator. But I mean, Jalen Suggs, like uh, like depending on where the the, the shooting levels out, um, he could be a really really exceptional you know prospect and player. Um, and I th- you know at least defensively, that that, that backcourt is going to be monstrous. Um, they're they're going to wreck stuff 
you know, just off the ball, on the ball, because, you know, Jalen Suggs is is a genius team defender um, and is athletic enough and, and lateral, laterally mobile enough to survive on the ball. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting fit. Um, definitely excited to see if, if Ayayi can make some improvements um, on the ball. Um, but, again, I think Gonzaga probably might, like, runaway favorite as the best team in the country next year at least right now i mean they're, they're going to be so freaking good even without petrusive and as we're recording this we're waiting on a decision from Corey kispert who has like two hours to just to, to, to announce whatever he's doing but either way i think it's like it's going to be really really good next year i'm excited about the ayayi suggs uh backcourt i think that there's definitely reason to be concerned that Ayayi is like kind of jack of all trades master of none type he's kind of like Halliburton light like in that way yeah I I mean he he Ayayi is good he he's he's a a very good college player and a professional combo guard uh not entirely sure where exactly um but he's he's a good player but yeah I I worry about off the dribble creation with that backcourt but that's also not really how Gonzaga plays like they play a yeah, lot more through exactly. the bigs um and with Petrushev out of the picture Petrushev if if people haven't heard uh decided to forego uh, the rest of his eligibility and seemingly forego the NBA draft uh or though I think there was some mixed messaging on he might have an out actually if Yeah I think drafted. most of these guys that are you know like signing with overseas teams like him and some fringier guys generally have outs in their contracts but yeah i mean i don't think petrusa was a guy who's getting drafted anyways so yeah but he he signed with mega b max um which is a little weird because they're a team that historically it's a team operated by an agency that essentially grooms prospects it's Um, a prospect factory i mean yeah it's a prospect factory that's Uh, that's what they are who no, notably currently have prospect Marco Simonovic, who is also a center, uh, and I think a mo- much more interesting NBA prospect than than Petrushev. Um, who like who knows if if Simonovic will be there next year? I guess, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a little weird. Um, but but the college basketball relevant portion of that is that Phil Petrushev will not be on Gonzaga next year, which means that it is the Drew Timmy and Anton Watson show. Yeah. which is very exciting because those two are very good college big men. Um, and I think that, that that Gonzaga will have a lot of success playing through those two. Uh, I, I am very here for all the Drew Timmy face-up and post-up possessions. He is the only enjoyable post uh, post player in the world. Um, yeah, but he, he's, he's really fun to watch. He has like yeah. great footwork in the post, awesome post moves. Uh, who I, I don't know that he's ever really an NBA prospect, yeah, but he's going to be so. a great college player. Yeah, I mean the like I mean talk talk about a seamless transition from the Tilly Petrusev high low to the Watson Timmy high low. I mean you have Watson with with that decision making acumen, and you know his his passing ability, and like you said, Timmy's already advanced as you know a face up post up score for for a freshman. I think he's an older freshman, but uh, for a freshman last year. Um, so yeah, I mean, just as that, like that big man duo continues to grow, that's going to be really sick. Cause Watson was a guy who I, I know both of us liked quite a bit coming into the year. Um, not as much as like some people on here, but you know, both, both of us were, were, were Watson enjoyers. Um, and Watson's one of my top returners, uh, for, for next year. 
you know, just, you know, was was really marred with injuries this season and, you know, never got a chance to, to get in the rhythm. But, but but he really did have good moments, especially early in the year. I mean, the, the competition was bad, but, um, you know, I, I think he was, you know, he, he was a really good high school player at pretty much all levels. Um, you know, and, and when he played for Gonzaga, he had success. I mean, he's a pretty good athlete at six foot eight, really, really smart on both ends, both both making plays, you know, with the ball. Um, as an off-ball passer, um, you know, and, and then as a team defender, making plays off the ball, making rotations. I think as the season went on, um, you know, he garnered a little more responsibility as a ball handler and showed a little more juice on the ball. Though again, there just really wasn't enough minutes for him because of mostly injuries to, to you know, improve that enough. But again, Watson is just, you know, a really good prospect. Someone who I'm probably, like, going to have in the first-round range going into next year. Um, I think someone who could really rise, boost his stock, as you know, assuming he can stay healthy. Uh, yeah, the Gonzaga is going to be so so good next year, um, so good. Yeah, I mean, when when we had PD on to discuss uh, disappointing freshmen, what the going forward aspect with Watson was kind of difficult because we just didn't know if the minutes were going to be there. Uh, but now that's all cleared up. Uh, he should have a lot of opportunity next season, um, yeah. and that's exciting. Uh, because he's he's a very real prospect. Um, he's very, and, very good. Yeah, no, I'm 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 excited to see him play, and I'm excited to see Timmy play, and and Suggs and yeah, it's gonna be a, a really fun team next year. Uh yeah, okay. So those are all of the really big ones that that we haven't touched on. That you know, if we get if we get like a Jared Butler decision. Um, when recording, we can we can go off the cuff on that one. But yeah, for for now we have some more sleepery kind of guys. And the first one uh, we're going to talk about is a guy who both of us like quite a bit, and that's San Diego State uh, forward Matt Mitchell, who uh, returning this year after a really strong junior season, playing second fiddle to to Malachi Flynn this year. Uh, a, a true weirdo, a true weirdo prospect, six foot six with a like a seven one wingspan. Um. Like lots of baby fat, but also really strong and has some like deceptive quickness. Um, was like one of the best finishers in the country this year. Incredibly good at the basket with his touch and strength and you know length for those extension finishes. Like can pass off the bounce a little bit, attacking closeouts, and then shot really well from three this year. You know shot really well from the line. Excuse me, um, on on low volume this year. On, on not like your volume, but you know has you know some some positive shooting indicators. And defensively, he's so so smart, making rotations off the ball, um, you know, c- coming over and help uh, at the back line for blocks and, and digging at the nail. So yeah, I mean, the guy who I think is a really really interesting long term prospect, um, you know, just like a wingy type guy with lots of interesting skills and intelligence, and you know, definitely some you know like quote unquote fat upside, you know, if, if with you know room to improve his body, um, you know, and become maybe even more athletic than he is at the moment. Yeah, definitely interested to see what he looks like next year with no Malachi Flynn, who, you know, obviously San Diego State's offense is going to look very different without, you know, arguably the best point guard in the nation um, running their offense. So, you know, Matt Mitchell could see a very an increased role next year, or he couldn't. Um, but yeah, you know, Matt Mitchell's a guy who is very much on my watch list for next year uh, and someone who's a pretty, pretty dang good prospect. 
Mitchell's a guy I'm actually excited to see with a heavier creation load because yeah. I think that he's more liable to do something with it than someone like Henry, even though I, Henry is a superior prospect. Um, but I'm kind of curious to see if Matt Mitchell can really kind of blossom in a role like that uh, because he is a really bizarro prospect with some some ability to play on the ball and really good finishing and deceptively quick feet and a lot of strength. Uh He's a weirdo. Uh, I'm not shocked that the NBA didn't love him. Uh, yeah, he, he's not a conventional NBA type, but by any means. Yeah, but I mean, he could be a really good player uh, as a senior, and I'm 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 very excited to see him. Uh, it, it it would be really cool if he if he takes to like a larger creation role, because um, he's I he's already a guy that I would think about drafting, um, and he could really cement himself as yeah. as uh, someone who's worth investing in trying to get his body right and uh turning him into a wing who can really do a lot of stuff yeah i mean i really do hope the shooting sustains this year because i mean he like he, he you know he, he's taken jumps he took a jump this year in three-point percentage in you know with pretty consistent volume took a huge jump from the free throw line uh took a jump in terms of you know long two efficiency and volume so if we can continue to see that trend in the right direction, you have the makings of a really interesting offensive prospect with, with a guy who's an elite finisher. Um, um, that was me watching Matt Mitchell clips. Sorry, <laughs> an elite the, the, fin- You know, I didn't turn I didn't turn the sound off on my phone. <laughs> you know, like a guy who's like a really elite finisher with with a really intriguing shooting shooting profile. You know, I I, I have a little more skepticism in a creation role because like he can't really dribble. Um, he loses the ball a lot. Um, I, I think he's like very like he was very well suited as a closeout attacker next next to Malachi Flynn this year. Um, but yeah, I mean like like if, if he's a, if he's like a twenty five plus like usage guy next year, okay, that probably wouldn't end well. <laughs> that would probably not end too well. Um, but it might be really really fun to watch. Um, because Matt Mitchell is just like liable to do really cool stuff. But, but, but like he's one of the premier like do cool stuff prospects in this class um or like i guess in next year's class because he's out but yeah mitchell is certainly going to be one of the foremost underrated returners um in this in next year's class as sports keep coming back so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner betonline.ag major league baseball will soon be in full swing and there are no shortage of ways to get in on the action BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. Also, tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather joins the BetOnline team in a new segment called The Ice is Right, where he talks about his expansive jewelry collection. He'll give you the chance to win some great prizes and bet on the cost of his bling. Visit BetOnline.ag to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back sports bonuses. BetOnline, your, on- your online wagering experts. 2020 has been the year of things happening that are completely out of your control, but there is one thing you can control and that's shaving your bush. Our sponsors at Manscaped are here to remind you to do so. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 is a premium electric trimmer that's designed to give you a confidence boost through body image. Their ceramic blade and skin safe technology are designed to reduce nicks or tugs on your fellas down low. The Lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof and comes with an LED light so you can manscape in the shower, in the dark, or in a dark shower, whatever floats your boat. They also just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add-on to their Lawn Mower 3.0 trimmer. In fact, 
Listeners of this show will get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code armchair. It's time to grab 2020 by the horns by shaving that front trunk. Um, and I guess next we'll go with someone who's probably going to be one of the more overrated returners in the class. <laughs> uh, won't spend too much time on Io Desunmu, but, um, yeah, we, we talked about him a little bit on a fairly recent episode. I don't really see a ton of appeal. He's, he's an, another combo guard. Uh, I don't really believe in his off the dribble shooting that much. Uh, He's like not even that crazy of an athlete. Like he's not he's not a particularly good vertical athlete. He I guess he's pretty fast. Yeah, he's bursty and he can change directions. Yeah, he he I mean he does have a very nice like herky jerkiness to him um that does allow him to create some separation at times. Uh I think more like pretty good college player than anything else. Uh like I mean he'll play he'll play abroad uh but to me, not really an NBA guy, and yeah. I don't, I don't think he's like super close, to be honest. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, like Illinois is probably going to be really good next year. I mean, both him and Kofi Coburn uh, announced their returns. Kind of a shame from like a fan prospect status because Illinois has some really good, you know, incoming freshmen, and you know, Andre Corbello is you know one of the better freshman guards in in, in his class. Um, you know, uh, Coleman Hawkins, a favorite of the podcast. Very much not a guard, but a guy who probably doesn't play that much as a freshman. Um, but I'd imagine, yeah, uh, yeah as, as very sad, yeah, because we both think Coleman is is very good, and honestly, he could probably contribute at least in some role. Um, Can you envision a world in which Io is like a top forty-five guy for you? next year um I mean I guess anything is possible you know with you know teenagers and development um I would bet not because I mean again it's just like Max and I have talked at nauseum about how we value these fringy combo guards and it's not because like backup point guards aren't valuable um I think that that's something that can be misconstrued you know backup point guards really matter it's just that it's really difficult to, to stand out as these like backup point guard types, like you have to be really, really good to, to make it as a small guard. Yeah. And that, it's not so much the guys yeah. who are true, like uh, initiators. It's the guy, it's the guys that are like not particularly good decision makers. Yeah. Could, it's the, it's the bucket getters. Like it's, it's like, it's, the, yeah, it's like, yeah, the, it's those guys. Like, yeah, I mean, it's tough. Uh, I mean, those are the guys who always find, find slots on, on random Euro teams and and kill overseas which which is just fine i mean that's like, oh there i mean every every single international team has, has a guy who, to, who tore up the sec or something like that they every single one of these like it it is the hardest thing to make the nba as a small guard or yeah. i mean i was like not particularly small but but as like a, a like a guard sized player yeah. like that like that is he's, the hardest possible way to make the yeah. NBA because there are so many yeah. guys who are. He's good not at that. small. He's not short, but his frame is really bad. I mean, yeah, that, yeah. No, that, but I mean, just like there are so many good scoring guards in the world. I mean, you look at someone like like Trey Burke, who like really struggles to stay on an NBA roster and probably isn't worth an NBA roster spot. Is anyone, and that guy, one right now. <laughs> that and yeah. that guy is an unbelievable scorer. Like, it, it's so so hard to make the NBA as a scoring guard 
um yeah. you need to be so so good at it um yeah, yeah and i yeah. i don't think io is that yeah. good at it yeah and that's why max and i find you know at least i know myself i i max i know as well f- finds ourselves lower on guys like jalen harris and, and peyton pritchard and and those types who well are like certainly very very good basketball players like they're th- th- those guys are both professional scorers and, and, and you know excellent basketball players but and great you know, college players exactly F- fantastic college players that goes without saying but you know, but, but, and even to a lesser extent, Jared Butler, I think is better than both those guys. But falls yeah, but, Butler, I, Butler, I think fits into a slightly different category from these yeah. guys. Like similar similar concerns with him, but I think it, that it, like it, versatility, it, working yeah. off the ball, and the, the um, elite handle has more of an NBA shot than those guys. In, in yeah, yeah, opinion. I think he has more standout skills and less drastic drawbacks. But, but yeah, still, I mean, similar concerns, similar concerns. similar concerns. It's it's just so hard to like really stick as like a backup point guard worth investing draft capital in, you know, and and you know a guy worth investing a second round pick in over just getting you know like go like plucking like Archie Goodwin from home. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. I mean like back on, back to IO. I mean, again, I see your question, which seems like what you asked forever ago. Um, no, I don't think I'm going to have him top 45 as uh, like, again, it's the 2021 freshman class is a week one in terms of pure point guards. But there's quite a few returning there's quite a few returning ones in, in guys like Bones Highland and David Johnson um, and and you know just just other guards of that ilk and you know you, you know even as you go lower down in like the RSCI rankings and the you know the, the 2021 rankings there, there's guys like Reese Beekman and and R J Davis and R J Davis and I mean oh, even someone like Josh DJ Car- yeah and who, DJ who? Carton too. But like he, I don't I don't think either of us loves Josh Christopher, but like he's at least a weirdo. Who, yeah, Josh Christopher who, is like horrible to watch, but I have him in, in like the late first, early second because he's just a freak physically. I mean, yeah, like, like he could conceivably be a pretty damn good scorer. Yeah, um, and it is just kind of really really odd uh, style wise and physically. Um, but yeah, like I I just don't think that the. Even among those guys, I don't think Io really stands out. No, I think he's a, a cut below even those guys. You know, especially yeah, considering yeah. he's older. He's you know at this point a lot older than a lot of those guys. He's going to be a junior. Yeah. Um. So and that and that's and that's a big deal as well. So enough on Io. Um. We spent way longer than I expected. Yeah, yeah. Io. Let's rip through the next three guys. Yeah. Really quickly, just Jalen Crusher, Sandro uh, Mamu Kelashvili, and CJ Ellaby. Or sorry, those. I messed that up. Uh, Jalen Crutcher and Sandro Mamukelashvili are returning to school. CJ Ellaby is staying in the draft. Yeah. Um, I like Crutcher is again a kind of like solid point guard prospect. Yeah, pretty much in the uh, same ilk of those guys. The the, the less of a pure score. Yeah, less of, more more of an all around point guard, but like but with shooter with, decision maker type. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's moderately interesting. Uh, curious to see what he does at Dayton without yeah. um I mean, without OB. Dayton's still going to be super good next year. I mean, I I mean, before I take him on my board, I had Crutcher in like the late sixties, maybe you know, like that kind of yeah. Range I didn't like seven cards. like I said, he's a really really good shooter. Um, and, and has quite a bit of passing chops as well. But he's six foot one, not particularly athletic. Um, and again, just so difficult to, to really stand out in, in that role because you're, you're probably looking at Crusher in more of like an off-ball role. And then again, I don't think he's going to add any value on defense there. 
so and he's certainly not primary. So it, it's just difficult to see him really, really adding much. And then yeah, Sandro Mamakalashvili, Seton Hall big, uh, a guy I like quite a bit. Um, you know, six foot ten with like legitimate ball skills and intelligence. Um, guy who can handle is fluid. Um, a really snappy decision maker at times. You know, hitting passes to the short roll, just moving the offense. You know, has a lot of like real problems. You know, like like he's not very physical for a guy who's six ten. Uh, he the shooting is a worry. Uh, but but nonetheless, you know, a guy who's probably like going to be a very good college player next year. Um, and certainly like an underrated, honestly, might be one of like the better seniors in a kind of weak senior class. Um, yeah, I, I think he's up there. He's like, he's interesting. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have drafted him, but like, I, I do think that he, he is a bit more compelling than a lot of guys. Um, because yeah, he's, he's big and has ball skills and like, there's reason to believe in him as a shooter and he's pretty smart. Uh, I guess he has like some movement flashes. Like he's probably not going to be an NBA guy, but certainly I, a guy worth swinging on. I mean. Yeah, the overall skill package in a guy that size is fairly rare to the point that he's worth some consideration. Yeah, it's like he's a guy who I'd rather like swing on with a two way or a late two than like one of these fringy point guards because I think oh, for there's sure, for sure. because like even like I said like, like I had Sandro in like the eighties or even like the high nineties before it took him off because like he has a lot of a lot of issues. Um, you know, in terms of his translation to the NBA, but you you just don't see big like big guys with his skill and intelligence that that often. And I'm, I'm it's a really really like, like just looking looking at you know the, the 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 seniors. It's a really weak senior class next year. Like it's like it's even it's going to be even weaker than this year. I think like 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 who even is like the best senior next year? Like I, I don't even know. Um, I have no clue. Like uh. the guys, there's like there's like Jay Huff, um. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Amir Sims, um, it, 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 like Mark Vital returning. He's old as hell. Uh, Remy Martin's coming back. Uh, McKinley Wright. All of these are like yeah, these are these college are types. Like, those are a bunch of yeah. nice uh, Euro prospects. Maybe Isaiah Livers ends up being that guy. I mean, maybe, but I mean, yeah, it's like again, it's I like don't even think Isaiah problem. Livers is very good. I mean, he's like I mean, he's a shooter at six foot, like six foot six. But I don't think he's very good at basketball outside of the jumper. Um, oh, if Eves returns, Eves Pond's still another guy who who we're waiting on. Um, yeah, believe. not ideal if Eve is your top. Is your top? No, player. it's a really weak senior class. Uh, this you know th- this year, which was supposed to be a weak senior class, but actually it, th- 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 this senior class isn't actually that bad. You know, That's pretty solid because Obi exploded and Tillman's so good and Obi. Is, is not a senior. Oh, he's senior aged. Oh, my God. Oh, Tillman's not a senior either. Oh, man. Yeah, it, it, we're recording this way later than usual. With Riller and the, Bain. Those guys, those guys are upperclassmen. They're not seniors. Riller, I, yeah. Bain. Obi might be a senior citizen, but he's not a senior prospect. So. <laughs> well, he is senior aged. He's legitimately like older. Yeah, he is. But he's, he's, oh, man, he's so old. Um, insert joke about Jason Tatum's birthday. but Yeah. Oh, um, Jason Tatum today. That was magnificent, man. Yeah, I'm sure that made you happy. Um, um oh yeah, yeah. I, quickly we're, we're, we're struggling to put this episode together because it's just, yeah, it's it's like it's like ten o'clock on the on Sunday for for Max and seven for me, and the episode's gonna go out like uh, like right on time or maybe even a little late. But yeah, uh, uh, let's let's go to our last um draft decision guy, and that's uh, CJ Elby, Washington State, who has stayed in. Um, a guy who uh, I can succinctly describe as a player who I don't think is very good, uh, 
but has the shooting profile and size to be worth, um, you know, like a late second consideration nonetheless. Because he he does have a very interesting, sh- uh, he has a very interesting shooting profile at at six foot eight or at six foot six. Uh, apologies, and you know, a sophomore. I wrote about him uh, in my shooting in the recent shooting piece I I, I did on uh, I did you know I briefly mentioned him as a guy who was a really good free throw shooter, um, has a really high volume of threes, makes a lot of long twos. Um, and is pretty young and and six foot six, so that in itself is probably worth a look in the second round. But you know he's not a good, particularly good decision maker, not a particularly good athlete, doesn't really create space on the ball. Um, you know, I, I think the one that you're probably thinking of as well is where just Nico Mannion kind of lockered him on the ball <laughs> over and over again. And, and you know, as much as Max loves to sing the praises of Nico's defense that that's worrisome for like a six, six scoring wing. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, LB, uh, again, like a, a guy who like, I enjoy much less than I, than I will have him ranked. Um, I think I have him in like, I'll, I'm going to release my board tomorrow morning, actually my updated top hundred, which is really grim after taking all the guys out. Um, I have LB, you know, in like the 60 range, which I think is like I'd consider drafting him at the end at the end of the at the end of the class or using a flyer on him, but not someone I'm super enthused by, uh, nonetheless. I haven't ranked LB because I need to watch him more. Um, but yeah, when when I have watched him, I've not been impressed. Decision making is really bad. Um, I like even even with the, like yes, he has the shot making, but man, he is a I I find him to be a, a pretty brutal watch. Um, yeah, he's not the most he, fun guy in this class. He shows up. He shows up in all the stat queries, uh, and he's got size and like conceivably shooting. Uh, but I, I, he's a guy that I don't think scales well because like he's he is this like scoring wing at Washington State, or I guess was, uh, and that's not what he is in the NBA. In the NBA, he's a he's a complimentary guy, and he's a ball stopper and not a good decision maker. It's just like I, yeah. I, I mean, just, he's cer- I mean, he's certainly like an upsidey kind of gamble late in that. Like you throw him in the G League or somewhere and just yeah, hope, and just mean, hope he develops. I mean, you're not, but not really. Like you're not no, really drafting. Not, CJ not really. Hoping he turns into a. Win. I mean, I think he could be a solid complimentary guy because he's gonna hit spot ups. I mean, yeah, but I'm, I'm just concerned about how he actually fits into that role. Yeah, um, I mean, it's more theoretical at this point. But again, yeah. uh, again, when you're talking guys in like the late 50s or on two ways. Um, these like more minute concerns become a lot less important than when you're actually, you know, spending valuable draft capital on them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't think I could begrudge someone for being like vague, like sort of in on CJLB. No. Yeah. Like not, the, not, the, 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 there's worse guys to be. In. <laughs> yeah. Not my cup of tea. Yeah. Um, okay. So th- that's the last we've got for guys who just made their decisions. Um, I don't know. We were just going to try to hit a couple of random topics. Something I've been thinking about recently is that we might not have college basketball next year. Um, mm. It's just becoming increasingly apparent with, um, you know, you've had schools already cancel in-person classes for the entire year um, for not just the fall semester. Uh, you have college football, uh, various conferences have gone to a conference only schedule and remains to be seen whether that will actually happen. Uh, I'm concerned about it. I don't want to like, you know, I don't want to do too much uh, speculating, speculating and just worrying 
when there's nothing we can really do about it. But man, that would be a bummer if we miss out on Cade and BJ and Jalen Suggs and um, Zaire Williams and Evan Mobley and all these guys in college because we need that so badly after this class. Um, but yeah, just yeah. selfishly as someone who, you know, in a normal world would, would likely get to see many of Tennessee and Arkansas and Auburn and Kentucky play live. Um, is a very, well, that's, that's definitely not happening. That, that's, that's certainly most certainly not happening. And uh, in a very unfortunate world, might not even get to see them play on TV or on my computer. Um, and it, it's just really unfortunate and it's going to have very real implications on the next draft and the drafts after, uh, if that cannot happen. Because, you know, teams are going to have even less of a sample to, to evaluate these guys on. Some yeah. weird stuff is going to happen if if we're doing an entire class of, of high mm. school, of prep to pro guys. Um, that That's some weird stuff's going to happen. There are interesting picks. Well, what, what on earth are we going to do for content? <laughs> Oh baby, we're 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 thriving, man. We we are we, we really on, yeah, <laughs> are we, we really we have been surviving on this class for this long. We're gonna we're gonna be yeah. fine. We're gonna be just fine. But the NBA is some some guys might get fired uh, if, <laughs> if they have to do an entire class of prep to pros. Um, oh my lord! And then the other thing that I wanted to talk about was uh, thinking a little bit about Zion. I was watching a couple of the restart games, sort of just pieces of them, but. The, the fact that, and obviously you can attest to this as, as a you know, Pelicans writer, Zion's defense early in his NBA career has not been good. Um, and that I think is interesting because his profile was as a guy who had all of the instincts, all of the playmaking ability, uh, the freakish tools to act upon that, but very little technical ability, uh, kind of questionable execution, weird physical limitations, um, and it, it's, I think it's relevant to some guys in this class, uh, where we're very confident in these guys who have this, have the instincts and the playmaking, but you know, the technical ability and yeah. the actual follow through on a possession by possession basis lags way behind. And I mean, obviously the, the two guys that come to mind are Lamelo and Pokashevsky, um, and I just think it's worth noting that Zion, and maybe you can get into this a little bit more, has not been a good defensive player early in his career. I think yeah. it is early, but it hasn't. I think been. he's a weirdish case because um, I mean, well, obviously with all of the weirdness surrounding Zion and the injuries, and even now with the weird load management stuff, where it's like even even wanting to play him in bursts, which is never a good idea for for lots of reasons, just disrupts the rhythm of not only Zion but the rest of the team around him. Um, and you don't play him at the end of the game in the last possession when you're switching offense defense. But we're not getting into that because um, the Pelicans got bludgeoned by the Clippers, and that 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 was a, a brutal game that um, no one should have to relive. But yeah, um, Zion. You know, in college, um, he was never a guy – he didn't have an outstanding motor by any means. Um, but he certainly wasn't a slouch. Um, and that's, that's by all accounts, what Zion has been um, in the NBA. Uh, the motor has ran incredibly, incredibly low. Um, a guy who, you know, while he, he – in college was, was due for one or two, you know, horrific effort closeouts, um, you know, lapses a game – was also due for one, two, three incredible highlight rotations a game pretty consistently 
Um, and as someone who's watched all of his games, many of them twice um, throughout his NBA career, I can only think of two um, two of those really forceful, violent contests off the top of my head. And it's late, and I haven't slept in days, really. So I could be forgetting some. But, you know, th- there was the one against Denver, uh, at, against Denver where he, you know, he had his crazy, you know, volleyball spike rotation and then there was one against you know at houston where he broke up a, a, a like a, like a backside lob but the forceful rim contests and like the the, the audacious gambles you know and and successful gambles for steals just haven't been there with uh, early in his career which is surprising to me because that was his style really and you know you know like we said like the, the technical stuff has been really really bad um the closeouts are atrocious um absolutely atrocious he just doesn't rotate like with any sort of consistency um his effort and transition is abysmal getting back um i will say he's had some moments where in like a straight isolation he has shown some mobility um you know just just staying locking in and moving his feet um but when he's asked to do any sort of like complex changing directions moving around screens anything like that um it's just a mess um i I have less i mean i'm certainly more worried by the long term that i would have been before the season um but i'm still not like nearly in panic mode with his defense because he's i mean he's i mean like just think about like the general pressure that is being put on this on this teenager um you know like 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 he like 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 beyond like you know the the number one pick like all of the conspiracy theories about you know the nba putting the pelicans in just just to have zion um like he and and also the fact that he was just coming off of a serious yeah exactly like he had a very serious injury yeah it's Um, like he didn't ask for this pressure um and and obviously zion you know you know he's an nba star pressure nba stars comes with you know an inherent level of pressure but you know for Zion, zion williamson is 20 years old um, and he is being asked to do a lot on the basketball court and has a lot of pressure on him. Um, and again, like, like there's going to be growing pains. Um, Zion Williamson is Zion Williamson, but teenagers are generally not good team defenders and generally not good defenders in general. That's just kind of how basketball is. Um, I, I do think like I'm still like I'm not that worried um, in the long term because you know Zion was ridiculously good offensively. Um, for a 19 year old and like, like was pretty, like I, I thought, you know, in his healthy minutes was New Orleans best player um, during the stretch when he played. Um, but yeah. The, the defense was really rough. Um, it, it, conditioning motor are just the two biggest things I'm watching going forward. Cause like, if those can improve, even if, you know, even if the technical stuff isn't, isn't there and takes time, um, he has the all world physical tools and intelligence to, to kind of make up for that and be at least like a neutral or slightly above positive defender to at that point where the overwhelmingly positive offense will will take over and be the lion's share of his value so yeah um concern level is probably just like a meh at this point um I, I am cautiously excited to see what he does the rest of this restart um doesn't seem like the Pelicans are going to be in a position to to really make that play in game at this point. With with Portland looks hot and Memphis has a sizable lead. Portland didn't look too hot today. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, no. actually did. They, they actually did look hot. They actually, they actually did. Dave Dave went insane and almost uh, considering that they're playing one of the better teams in the league. Um, 
in your beloved Boston Celtics and Jason Tatum's improved performance. They did pretty well, especially Damian Lillard. Um, yeah, he really – he almost hurt me. He almost ripped, ripped your heart out. Um, yeah, again. I would have had an even worse day. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but Damian Lillard – yeah, I mean, Zion, again, like just just patience with him, even though the expectations are all-time are like all-time high and patience is difficult with – the guy who you know I still believe is is one of the best prospects of the decade. I mean, the last couple like in a long time, and someone who has like a realistic MVP ceiling still, I, I think. But uh, yes, certainly you know uh, some reason to, to doubt that if, if the defense continues to persist like this into year two and then like even into year three. So. Yeah, I, I I just I think that there are some parallels that are a little concerning with some guys in this class, but I obviously not you know, don't want to get too caught up in the first 20 games. Yeah. And it's definitely worth noting that, you know, like LaMelo and Poku from like a physical tools standpoint compared to Zion is like incomparable. Well, yeah, but that's, that's even more reason for concern. Yeah. (laughs) Although, although Poku has, I I think tall and and long is, is, and like has the fluidity I think Poku obviously is not the physical outlier that Zion is, but is a physical weirdo in a way that it is somewhat. He has, his, he has his own outlier traits in, yeah, in different yes, ways. Yeah. yeah. But I, I just think that it's, it's, it is notable that there's a guy who very much fits into that mold and the early returns are very bad. No, like still must be uh, noted that, 20 games under very bizarre circumstances when uh, he was also like wildly dominant on the other end. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's just a, it, to me, it's a data point. Um, and I don't want to get too caught up in it, but I, I do think it's, it's something to keep in mind. Yeah. Yeah. I think besides your, like your old, you know, Grant Williams spiel, that was like our, like our longest talking point about an NBA player. And we're going to have more of that in, the somewhat near future. So um, if you enjoyed that, stick around. But yeah, uh, I think now um, we're going to close off this very weird episode the same way we close off all of our episodes with, you know, just talking about the guys that we've watched recently um, and our thoughts on them. So Max, would you like to speak about the the prospect that, that you have thoughts on? Yeah. The one I have is Jalen Smith. Um, I've had a weird journey with Jalen Smith where I <laughs> really didn't like him coming to the year. Didn't think that he really stood out much in any respect. And then, I don't know, several months ago at this point, I kind of, I kind of started to get it with the rim protection and, and shot versatility and just that it's a really valuable pair of skills to have. But watching him again recently, I just – I don't know what the role is for him in the NBA because his positives and negatives come together in such a bizarre way that really it doesn't fit together well at all. And mainly what I'm talking about is the fact that he is like his his probably best skill is as a as a you know rim protector uh, from like I I guess technically from the weak side, but it just as a rim protector. Um, But he's wildly immobile. Like, I think that he's an underrated, really bad mobility guy. Um, Like some of the stuff is really OB-esque because his hips are so narrow and stiff. 
his strides are these little tiny baby strides. He has no ability to cover ground. Uh, and it's really bad for a guy who I think most assume his role is going to be as like a weak side shot blocker. And on top of that, he absolutely cannot chase people off the ball. Like that's not something that's happening for Jalen Smith. Um, he does have the the whole thing where he's really good at generating leverage in the post, even though he's wildly weak. Um, and the, the weakness does show up in other respects, but like he can create leverage in the post. So maybe someone is going to just play him as a five, but I, I don't know. I think he's going to get finished through and just beat up in general. Uh, and even then, like, I, I don't think that he really like has changed a direction or anything like that. So he's, he's a really weird prospect. Another guy like Obi, who's like best coverage is, is an ice pretty much. Um, but, but I think he's kind of widely viewed as like a mobile guy and as a switch guy because he's skinny, but he's very much not that, uh, he's a weird prospect. I've, I've kind of lowered on him again, just because I don't know what the NBA role is for him. Uh, I don't know how you feel about that, but I, I think you're kind of with me, right? That the, the NBA role is, is pretty hard to project with him. Uh, yeah. I'm just saying stick him in a zone. I mean, at least defensively, no doubt. I, I think the kiss of death for any perimeter prospect is, is failing to chase Luca Garza around multiple screens <laughs> in the same game. I've, t- I've tweeted about that. Oh, yeah, it's I'm pretty sure in both IO games he had moments where like he just got wrecked on pin downs. And oh, like yeah. and like and, and like and like granted, like like you shouldn't be asking your six foot ten bigs to come off pin downs to guard pin downs, but Luca Garza is Luca Garza. Like he, he he's not a guy who should be an off screen threat. And Jalen Smith made him an off screen threat. Uh defensively is is it, it's it's brutal with, with Jalen Smith. Uh I, I agree there. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I still think he's like probably a unique enough shooter at his size to like find some kind of place. Um, I, I think pricing in opportunity costs with pricing in, um, the opportunity is likely going to get is worth something. I think NBA teams are going to be patient or at least more patient with a six foot 10 legitimate shooter. Um, despite his, uh, despite his inherent flaws as a defender, and you know, real inability to do like big man things consistently on offense. Um, I think he has a unique enough perimeter skill set to stick in some regard. Um, and then maybe he can find a role to play defense. Uh, I mean, like you said, just like I mean, stick him in his zone, sure, but like he's not like a bowl level offensive player to where that's actually worth committing to. Um, yeah, I mean, like, like again, like, like I think sticks is like like a fine gamble in like the forties or even like the early. No. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually have him like I have him higher than I think I should just because like taking everyone out has depleted my board entirely. Um, but I yeah, mean, like, I, I think I've got him like late thirties even. But um, I have him mid thirties. Yeah. Um, oh my god, he's yeah. After removing guys, he's into the mid thirties for me as well. Yeah, I have him like thirty four. <laughs> That's kind of horrifying. It's, exactly. It's it's brutal. And like I said, I'll release my board. My my updated top one hundred. Pro- it'll probably be out by the time this podcast. Um, is up. actually no it won't uh, but it, w- whenever the deadline is seriously passed i'll release that at some point because it's grim um but yeah jalen smith defense bad offense fine enough yeah that doesn't sound like a mid-30s prospect but it just got my concern with him the projection's really odd yeah but it's i, I mean he's like a, a weirdo and you know, like weirdo doesn't necessarily mean good. Certainly not in, in this case. But you know, it, you know, 
it's it's a bad class and he shoots and he's tall so yeah he, i i just worry that like he has super valuable skills i just think that they're like yeah they kind of cannibalize each other in it yeah in a- I, 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 it's a weird case he's a really like strange prospect even tracking him from like in high school to now it, yeah. he's one of the weirder guys um but yeah like fine prospect um in this class like a guy who like if like a, if like some team took him in like the late first, I wouldn't be that angry. Like, yeah, I, I don't think I'd be that angry. I think you just have to know what you're getting yourself into and kind of have a plan yeah. for it. Um, he he has I think a lot of the the hips are are reminiscent of Miles Turner, and some and some of his skills are reminiscent of Miles Turner. The problem is that Miles Turner like really bulked up and got a lot better as a yeah he like like, the year before last he took a freak jump as as a mobility guy i mean he was solid coming out but he really became a guy who you know is was so much more agile with his hips fluid moving on the perimeter tracking back and drop to where you know he's legitimately one of the more impactable interior defenders in the nba at this point and of course i don't think he comes like close as a shot as a shot blocker in terms of you know verticality and timing and instincts you know he's, yeah he's, he's not miles turner um yeah. though it's like a uh, it's like a fine like broad ceiling comparison but like yeah, he, he has he has he's going to get the miles turner comp and it's not fair no however because, he's like, because miles turner is very good and underrated in a lot of ways um yeah but but the, the hips are similar and just like broadly shot blocking shooting is is like their positives for both yeah of them. I, it's he's just so weird like a guy who has like legitimate flashes of hip fluidity but again just like the steps are so slow and and, and short like just because he can turn the hips he like he doesn't get his feet all the way around it, it's so weird it's a strange experience and one that i frankly struggle with and um yeah I'm gonna... so yeah um enough on jalen smith i'll talk about my one guy and that's uh another returner but uh, an old one at this point, uh, old in his age and old in when he returned. That's Trace Jackson Davis, um, who will be a sophomore at Indiana. A guy who, like a lot of smart people in you know the draft and intelligentsia in our circles, um, re- really like and like view as like a top returner. And I just like I've like after like my brief Trace Jackson Davis viewing, catching him, you know, when I was focusing more heavily on other Big Ten guys, I didn't get it. And now diving back in, you know, focusing solely on Trace Jackson Davis, uh, I still don't really get it. Um, uh, the main appeal for me is I think the defensive potential is really real. Um, he's a really incredible lateral mover, such a disruptive hedger at you know at six foot nine, um, and then he's like he's explosive, has pretty good timing, um, as you know has pretty good timing um, and like anticipation as a weak side shot blocker but the team defense is still not great like like he lapses more than he should for an old freshman again like team defense intel like awareness is a thing that can improve especially in young big defenders but he's got a lot of holes there at least in my opinion like the mobility and the raw the raw tools um make me believe that he has like a pretty significant defensive upside but um it's i don't know if it's like that that high uh, and then offensively, I just don't get it with him. Um, he has incredible touch around the rim, and he is an awesome finisher. Um, but he only uses his left hand. He refuses to go to his right, and it leads to some hilariously bad misses um, where, where teams will overplay the hell out of that right hand – that left hand, excuse me. Um, and then offensively, I don't know what he does outside of play finishing. 
because he 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 does not shoot. Um, he attempted zero threes. Um, I believe. Um, the att- jumper is ugly. It is horrific. Um, it is uh, the classic over the over the shoulder boulder chucker jumper. Um, <laughs> he he attempted no threes. He had a couple foot in the line twos. I think I, I tracked this last week. I should have wrote it down. My apologies. I think he you know despite what synergy logging says, he only took like four or five genuine jump shots this year. Um, like that's really really bad. Um, and you know. Unless I misread or overlooked someone in the the, the basketball reference query, I, I did. Um, you know, big a freshman big man. The history of freshman big men um, who did not take a three and then went on to be NBA shooters is nobody. So he's he's not in strong company there. Um, and again, like I don't like his touch is fantastic, but I don't think great interior touch on its own is enough to project shooting. I mean, he's, well, he has free throw percentage as well. No, he doesn't. He shot like 69% from the line. Oh, I thought he was a, I thought he was like a high seventies guy. No, he's a bad free throw shooter. Oh, geez. All right, man. Yeah. I, I, I don't know why people are projecting. Yeah. I mean, like, like his touch is genuinely awesome. Like he's, he's, he has incredible touch. He has incredible, incredible touch. But like, as like, like I've been writing about and tweeting about, like touch touch is an important piece of the puzzle, but it's not enough. And like when you have zero, like ge- genuinely zero volume, like in the literal sense, um, I I I I, I don't know how you project him to shoot. Um, he like he has some like occasional fluidity when he dribbles, but he almost never dribbles. And then like occasionally makes some good passes with the decision making, and and the processor is way too inconsistent. So like I like I like. Uh, I just don't get him. Like, I don't get the Trace Jackson Davis love. Um, I think he's a solid prospect and someone who is like maybe borderline first next year, but like top returner talk to me is kind of crazy. Um, and I, just I mean, I think people, people think that he's in like the sort of Brandon Clark mold, which he has that like contortion finishing of Clark and Toppin, but like Brandon Clark's a lot less interesting one, if he's not like a 99th percentile vertical leaper. Two, if he can only use one hand. Three, if he doesn't make the enormous strides as as a um, as a jump shooter. And, and four, if he's if not he's just like a genius. genius. Yeah, like <laughs> I guess if, if in like four years Trace Jackson Davis has totally rebuilt his jumper in the way Brandon Clark did, maybe, and also has developed an offhand um, and has become super smart. And like Greg, like he does, you know, Brandon Clark was like a top five or whatever prospect in his class. Yeah. Um, Trace Jackson Davis doesn't have to. Yeah, and like that. I said, Trace is like, like again, like a guy I could conceivably see like being like a late first kind of prospect because he is a really good athlete. Like he's toolsy, flashes mobility, you know, some you know great finishing the touch. Like he has a lot of skills that you like. I think it's it's a similar do you know, thing. Do you know wingspan for him. Um, I don't like him because he's got a long neck as well. So he's not even like he doesn't he he doesn't play. Um, like his actual playing height is not that. Google tall. says seven two. That yeah seems questionable. <laughs> um, that seems a little long to me. Um, but I don't really know. Um, I again, it's weird with, with the neck. He's like you said, and he changed his haircut, which like makes a very like significant aesthetic difference when you're watching him going from like the really poofy hair to to being bald later in the year. But yeah, uh, I, I think like I, I caution Trace Jackson Davis because um, I think about him similarly to a guy like Wendell Moore, who a lot of us ranked 
more highly than we should have. And it's just a guy with like a lot of interesting like data points, um, you know, in touch and, you know, and mobility and, you know, explosiveness, but, you know, how do those form to make a cohesive basketball player? And for me, um, for Trace, I don't think they do. Um, you know, again, like a guy who I'm waiting to see, like interested to see how he develops as a sophomore, but he's already old for his class. Um, yes. Yeah. He, he's old for the class. Um, again, like a, a good prospect, like, like I said, like, like certainly like, like not like, like not like, like, like a very legitimate prospect, so, someone to be taken seriously. But again, I just, I, like, I do not understand his placement in these top returner convos. And I'd love to, you know, be proved wrong and shown something I'm missing. But I, at this point, I, I just don't get it with, with him. So, yeah, I'm waiting to, to dive back in on him until the next cycle since he's just been, he's been back to school for forever. So long. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've always been on the slightly skeptical. I mean, he's good. He's, he's a really good college player. Yeah. He's going to uh, be a dang good college player. I mean, assuming he stays longer than, you know, one more year, he's going to be a really, really good upper class. He's going to be a really good college player next year. Even. Yeah, I mean, he was a good college player this yeah, year. Like, college um, he's a really good, like, like, he's a good basketball player. But again, yeah, like, but I have, and Indiana is probably not going to be that great next year either. I mean, like, th- they have some interesting incoming guards, um, but nothing crazy special. And again, I think he's definitely missing out by not having like, like a really good lob throwing point guard, um, and you know, not being in an offense that empowers him to roll very often. And that, like, you know, just throws him in the post um, over and over, which he's very, very good at, like, no doubt. But, like, is less interesting from a translation standpoint. All right. Should we, should we call it on this episode that's kind of been a mess? Uh, that I can – I you guys can't see, but Ben has been holding his eyes open throughout this because <laughs> he, he, he looks like 75% dead. Um, I really am. And, um, yeah, it's it, – it's, it, it's been a couple of days. It, 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 it's been a time for all of us. And like, you know, um, just, it, it's been a mess of an episode, but we got the episode out. Um, probably this will be the first one in the while that it's just going to be a straight one parter. Um, I think there's, there's no two parts, unfortunately. Um, we, we probably could have stretched it if we really wanted to, but we, we didn't want to do that to you guys and ourselves today, or you all and ourselves today. So yeah. Um, Thank you all for thank you all so much for listening, sticking with us through through this you know this impossibly bad summer of content. You know, soon we're gonna have actual like real content to talk about with the lottery upcoming. We can talk about you know actual teams and you know take look through that lens, and then of course in a couple months we'll have the actual drafts. And so yeah, we're gonna have things to talk about in the future. But thank you for sticking with us and and showing and showing the amazing support. We had another awesome month last month. Um, in terms of downloads and progress. So we really appreciate all the reviews, all the positive feedback uh, that we get. Yeah, it's really, really awesome. So yeah, uh, you, you can follow the pod on Twitter at prep2propod. Um, again, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, make sure to leave us five-star reviews and ratings. It really, really helps us out. And it's easy for you guys, to, for you all to do. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Ben underscore Pfeiffer underscore. Follow Max at Max A. Carlin. And unless there's anything else you'd like to say, Max, uh, I think we're going to call it and I'll get to work on putting this up (laughs) right now. All right. uh, Thank you all for listening and have a good day.
Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.